Ladies and gentlemen, we are back live. Got a strike while the iron's hot, baby. Sports talk, unfiltered, unapologetic with Ryan Alter, episode 13, Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. I told you guys I'd be back quicker than before, and I wanted to get on here uh, and do a recap of week four NFL or a quarter way through the season, preview week five a little bit, and talk about the baseball playoffs. The play-in games just ended. The Nationals and Rays, I believe it's the Dodgers, and I can't, and I think the Astros. Anyway, we were going to discuss a few things. One thing I wanted to dive right into, I've never understood why they have this stupid play-in game, and that's it, right? Baseball season's a marathon, not a sprint. It's 162 games. It's been that way since I was a kid. Times have kind of changed now, man. It, it just has. Um we're definitely, especially in on the West Coast and East Coast, there's so much traffic and so little time to do a lot of stuff now that you basically are in constant motion and movement doing this and doing this, especially once you hit early to mid-adulthood and have kids and other things. I mean, your day is just gone like that, poof, right? Who has three hours to kind of sit down and watch a baseball game, let alone 162 of them? Now, we do it on Sundays for football, but it's kind of different because it's it's one day a week, and usually most people are at least watching their team, and they'll watch other ones too. That's why the NBA, to me, and Major League Baseball, because of their long seasons of 162 games and 82 games in the NBA, the games don't have as much meaning, and people, they'll sit there and watch them, um, but I don't know if it's like every single night religiously. Well, I think having said all that, there's nothing like the playoffs in any of these sports, really. Baseball, it's, it's just a different type of game. Same with the NBA. And to go 162 games and to make it to the end. Now, they used to only have four teams make the playoffs, period. You had four divisions, four division winners, and those two played in the NL and then played in the AL. And the winner of those series went on to uh, go to the World Series. I'm pretty sure that's how it went back then. And I think that it's advanced now to where there's three teams that automatically make it in each conference or each league, sorry, the American League and National League. And then there's a play-in game where two other teams get the right to play, I think, the top seed. So this year it was the Dodgers waiting on the winner of the Nationals and Brewers. Nationals came back after being down 3-1, to one, I think, the whole game last night and took you know, ripped the Brewers' heart out in like the last 10, 15 minutes of that game. It was kind of an impressive win, especially against uh, Bill Hader or whatever. I always forget that guy's first name, that lefty with the long hair. Guy got, the guy's an animal. He's got lethal stuff. But they touched him up a bit and um, came and kind of stole that game. And then the, the one doofus in the outfield, poor guy, makes that air because he was trying to basically concentrate on getting that ball quickly to throw that guy out to prevent the tie. He should have just made the easy, smart play and, and conceded the tie and got the ball in like it, he should have. But, oh, well. Having said all that, Brewers had a great season. They actually took off more so when Yellick, their reigning MVP, got hurt and went out. And it was just going to be a hard task for them to begin with. The A's won 97 games for the second year in a row, snuck into the playoffs. They had 55,000 people at, at the uh, O.co, basically what we all of us, true originator East Bayans, will always call the Oakland Coliseum. 
And it was nice to see that place packed, but then they're getting shelled four bombs right in the beginning of the game, basically. And they're down five to one or four to one or whatever quick. It just kind of sucks, man, that your season's down the toilet in just one night after you've played 162 games. You know, in the NFL, they reward the top two seeds in each conference with a bye, obviously, right? The NBA and baseball, they kind of don't do that. I mean, you have a day or two off for these other teams waiting for this play-in game to happen. Then the play-in game happens, and whoever wins that game goes and plays this other team that's the top seed for a five-game series. What they should really do is they should give those top-seeded teams, okay, like a week off. Maybe even the top three, all the division winners, right? The one and two and three seeds um, a week off or so. Then you have four play five for like a three-game series at least. You know, five might be too much because you got to have a day off in between there for travel and stuff like that. So you're talking about probably a week off if you do a three-game series. You just, boom, one, two, and three all get to rest for a week. They get to get their pitchers rested up, iced up, batters, all of them. Come back a little fresh. And you still reward the four and the five by getting in there for a little bit, playing each other for a three-game series, not just one. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. You play 162 games, you get one shot at advancing. Not only that, you go into a five-game series. The five-game series are a little tricky themselves, too. I've always thought in basketball and baseball, the seven-game series, you're going to f- have the true winner come out, right? Because it's the first one to four. And in baseball, man, it's what's cool about it, it could be bad if you're on the opposite end of it of the team. You kind of, if you get two hot pitchers in baseball, hot starters, it's almost, you can almost forget about it. So with the Astros right now, a big reason why teams are fearing them is because they know they have that swagger. They've won it a couple years ago. They, you know, went back to the playoffs last year, and I forget who bounced them, but they still had a great team. They had a great team this year. Well, they got Verlander and Garrett Cole. They got two guys with 300 strikeouts on the year. I mean, if Cole and Verlander have their stuff going, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. And that goes for any team. So I also saw today that the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, he's actually starting um, Walker Bueller over Clayton Kershaw in game one of their series against the Nationals. So, man, you know, you need a manager like that that's kind of got the stones to make a call like that and just do what he thinks is the best thing for the club to win. But it's kind of crazy, speaking of Kershaw, that we're at that point with that guy who's, you know, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, possibly the best pitcher of this last generation. And he's getting kind of put on the back burner. Matter of game too, because they have another guy who's a basically will be getting Cy Young votes and Ryu, who had a great year as well. So Kershaw might even pitch game three. So it's kind of nuts. I like the Dodgers in that series against the Nationals. But, you know, the Nationals are riding this thing right now, uh, not having Harper this year. They basically didn't really need him. They have a better year, make the playoffs without him when they didn't make it with him last year. They have some decent pitchers, and they have some a good clubhouse and chemistry. So I'd love to see the Nationals take out the Dodgers, but I don't know how realistic that is. And I think that the Yankees and Astros, to me, are just on a collision course to play, which will be an awesome series. So... 
I think if, if the smart money people would probably say, well, it's going to be the Dodgers and Astros, which it very well could be. But the Astros got a nice little road ahead of them. Okay. They're going to have a, probably a tough series with Tampa Bay for five games. Then they're going to more than likely have to play the Yankees for seven. Then they'd have to play the, probably the Dodgers for seven in the world series. So I'd say the Dodgers road is a lot easier. I've heard uh, a couple guys talking about that on, on their, on a pod today actually earlier. So I kind of agreed with that sentiment when it, when it was brought up, but I don't know. I, I think that, the Yankees are just as capable as the Astros are. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Nationals took out the Dodgers just because they have that swagger again going right now. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting playoffs. Uh, feels like it's got a little buzz to it. And it's always this time of year is always great for baseball. Let's hit week four. From the National Football League. Man, I just love when the, about this time of year. It's about a quarter way. And, of course, my attitude's a little more peppier because my Niners are 3-0. and They're on a bye week. I was actually extremely happy to see the Browns handle the Ravens like that on Sunday because I think that the Niners, these guys are professionals, okay, all these 32 teams. So I don't think they really take anyone lightly. But to have the Browns kind of limping in there at 1-3, it was better that they beat – the Ravens, in my opinion, because it was a statement game for the Browns to win that game in Baltimore after the way the Ravens had looked to start the year 3-0. And I thought that the Browns kind of went in there and hit him in the mouth, especially with their running game. And the Niners are going to take notice of that now. What people across the country, especially, they don't give West Coast football a lot of respect, which is kind of funny to me because the NFL, you just have nothing but the best of the best from college and, you know, free agent walk-ons and whatever that make it in the league. But the, the the bad players get weeded out. It's as simple as that. If you can play and you belong, you're going to make the 53 and you're going to have some type of contribution. So these teams in the NFL, all 32 of them have the best of the best. And these East Coast media guys, they're just so biased. They don't really, at the end of the day, they don't watch as much as they probably should for getting paid millions to analyze this stuff. And they definitely don't watch all of Seattle, Niners, Rams, Raiders, these West Coast teams. Because if you did, it's not rocket science to tell that San Francisco is legitimately good on their defensive line. They have a few things on their areas of their team that have vastly improved. And they're going to have them probably competing this year and beyond, hopefully. I think that... The Niners' defensive line has been overlooked, and people don't realize how much havoc they really do wreak in there. I think Kyle Shanahan's play calling has been on an elite level for a few years now. He's just been using C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. And that's another thing I wanted to get into a little bit is the whole Garoppolo thing. Man, people need to relax, man. Calm down about Garoppolo. It's, it's uh, you know... Do you have people calling for him to be benched over one little thing and put Mullins in there and fake quarterback controversies and some of the media guys here hate on him? And it's just funny to me. The guy is 11 and two as a starter for his career, nine and two as a starter for the Niners. When you do the math on that, that's 13 games, people. He hasn't even started a full season yet. Relax. Let's let the guy take his lumps a little bit, give him his time in there. But I could tell you right now, 
last week against the Steelers, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, watching that game was one of the most frustrating watches I've ever had as a Niner fan. But Garoppolo was laying on his back the whole entire game from getting hammered by that Pittsburgh D-line. He also threw two picks, both of which <clears throat> I kind of thought weren't his fault. Braid, uh, the second pick was kind of ill-advised throw. First one went off Braid's hands on a screen, and he popped the ball up, and it got picked. That wasn't Garoppolo's fault. The second one, I thought Pettis had a little bit of alligator arms there. Anyhow, be, after those two plays, the Niners kept turning the ball over with fumbles, and Garoppolo just sat in the pocket, man, and kept taking hits and making throw after throw. And really, it was dart after dart is what it was. The kid just has ice in his veins. You can just see it. You can feel it. So he's going to take his lumps, and he's going to learn still a lot more to go. But as far as the moxie and having it upstairs, it's there. He also has an elite arm, and he has great touch on the ball, and he can make all the throws. So I think without a doubt, to me, at least, I see it. And I couldn't be more pleased that, that Garoppolo is our quarterback in San Francisco because I think that he has what it takes, and I think he's a winner. And I think that people in the media are going to start to notice a few of these things after the Niners play on a big stage like they're going to on Monday night against a team like the Browns, who won like they did against Baltimore. Now, it's going to be a really, really good game. I think that San Francisco is going to come out a winner in that game. And I think that the defensive line is going to be a big reason why San Francisco winning the line, you know, in the trenches, being able to run the ball or at least, uh, you know, throw the Browns off by getting some of Shanahan's trick plays in there and things like that. I think those are going to make the difference in that game. Looking back still on week four, I also thought there were some other things. Something's going on with the Falcons, man. Dan Quinn, I mean, I don't even know if he's going to make it the year. They're one and three. I know the Falcons lack a little bit on defense, but, you know, they got smacked by the Titans at home 24 to 10. Tennessee is one of those teams, though, that's been hearing it, and they haven't been playing well the first few weeks of the season, and they just came out guns blazing that game and playing hard. But I think that the Falcons, you know, that you're going to start to see a lot of rumblings about Quinn uh, being having his job at risk. And hopefully he makes it the year. I hate to see coaches can, to be honest with you, in the middle of the year, unless the locker room is really that um, dysfunctional and the players, you know, as a, a core just can't stand the coach. But, you know, it's um, it's something that Atlanta's just got too much talent for, for them to be one and three. And if they end up on this pace and they finish up, you know, seven, six, seven wins. I think Quinn for sure is a goner. I don't really see him making it. They get, they have too much talent, including, you know, hall of famers, basically on offense, too many weapons. And they should, they also shouldn't be scoring 10 points at home. That's ridiculous as well. Patriots and bills, you know, Brady a couple times last year, in the first month or six weeks started to look his age a bit. And that's how it looked this past week against Buffalo, but they still got the job done. People don't realize how good the bills are. Bills are three and one now after that loss. They have a really, really strong defense. They got a Hall of Fame older running back in Frank Gore, but he's a savvy vet, and he really brings presence to that offense that they need in leadership. And I think the Bills, man, they're going to be battling with San Diego. I said it last week for that last wild card spot. Chiefs beat the Lions, and the Lions had that game. Chiefs, though, what can you say? You know, that's what good teams do, right? Good teams find a way, and they did. Raiders smacked the Colts. Now, 
you know, for all the smack that's been talked about the Raiders, speaking of smack, you know, they're still sitting here two and two after four weeks. Okay, giving people got their knock on wood jokes and all this other BS, but the Raiders are still two and two. Now, am I, am I sitting here saying they're going to finish eight and eight? No, they're in the middle of a brutal stretch right now where the NFL, again, jobbed them. They don't have a home game for like six weeks. They're, they're not going to be in Oakland. It's crazy. They, though, played a Colts team that was a little bit banged up, too. They didn't have Darius Leonard. They didn't have Malik Hooker. They didn't have T.Y. Hilton. Let me tell you something. Raiders went in there and did what they had to do, though, and win that game. But I'll tell you right now, if the Colts don't have Hilton, you look at the rest of their receiving core, they are in trouble. That is something that I think that Ballard's done a good, good job retooling that roster and getting Frank Reich what he needs, but they need another receiver. I mean, it's like glaringly obvious now because they can't just depend on Hilton being their only guy and even taking away double team or, you know, leaving, getting other guys to eat because they're concentrating on him. They're going to, they're going to have to find other methods because I think Brissett's a good enough starter to still get them to the playoffs. But boy, did they look shaky last week against Oakland. That's, that's a game you have to have at home if you're a playoff team. So I don't know if, Houston, you know, we're only four weeks in again, but Houston's two and two, and so is Indy. So there's a long way to go. And I think Indy will be, you know, play better than they did last week, that's for sure. But, you know, stuff like that in the in the National Football League, you lose games like that, it's a little bit of an eye opener. Giants with Danny Dimes took out the Redskins, and the Redskins suck. I, that's another guy I don't know if he's going to make it for the year is Jay Gruden. So you got the Redskins, and then you got. The Dolphins, and then you got the Bengals. All four of those teams are just, you know, it's like they're they're tanking or something, man. But you're talking about just four really bad teams. Miami got spanked by the Chargers in Miami. You know, I think Miami's probably the worst team out of all those, even though I watched the Bengals just get hammered like three out of their four games. They almost beat Seattle, and then they got thumped. So Brown uh, Panthers won again. Second time in two weeks without Cam, they got this Kyle Allen kid. I think people need to cool the Jets on that a little bit too. That's one thing, sports fans. We are just prisoners of the moment. You have a guy get off a little bit, and then next thing you know, you know, people want to put the gold jacket on him. So I think when Newton gets healthy, that's still his job. I I, I think people need to relax the little Kyle Allen thing. How about the Bucks two and two beating the Rams fifty five to forty? Hey, Jameis Winston. Through for 385, Godwin's looking like the sleeper stud people predicted him to be. Um, Bucks are quietly two and two now, and they blew the game last week to the Giants. They should be three and one. So you know Tampa Bay. Hey, let me tell you something. They win nine or ten games and get into the playoffs. Whew. I mean, I, I don't think they're there yet as far as like a, 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 you know, a contender type team. But if they make the playoffs, it'd be an impressive feat for Arians. I'll tell you that in his first year there. Um, they got some playmakers though, and they have some decent players on defense too. So it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world, but Seattle beat the Cardinals. They're three and one quietly three and one too. So Seattle just gets it done. Now that's a huge game. I'm going to talk about uh, on the next segment here coming up Thursday night against the Rams. Bears beat the Vikings. Vikings are in trouble, okay, because they owe Kirk Cousins another $28 million. And, you know, it's kind of funny. 
as I sit here and go to work every day, talk football with my buddies or whatever, listen to the radio, listen to XM, come home, exercise, hang out with the wife and kids, whatever, right? I basically am an armchair quarterback or someone who watches this stuff. And I could tell that Kirk Cousins doesn't have the moxie or the basically, he doesn't have that it factor to be a winner in that league, right? But how the hell can the Vikings GM and owner not tell? And they go and give the guy 75 million bucks. I mean, it's like so many people were predicting this to happen, right? When they signed them, right? I mean, you asked for this. So, you know, lay in your bed now, dude. You got 28 mil fully guaranteed to that guy for next year. But the way it's going right now, you got Thielen and Diggs pissed off at him. He's not throwing the ball. They have to throw the ball to win at some point in this league. And they just look like trash right now. Uh, they have a solid defense, but I, I think Minnesota's window is closed. And I think that this whole thing with Cousins, it, it's not looking pretty. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they cut bait with him going into next year and started over and just ate that $21 million. Quarter of the way through, week five's right here, guys. And we got Seattle and the Rams on Thursday night in Seattle. Now, none of these games are what you would call a must-win, okay? Both of these teams are 3-1. and one, And the winner is going to come out 4-1 and one and have a good shot to be up there. If the Niners win, they'll be basically tied around for first place or half game back. The Niners, Seattle, and Rams all have solid teams. But I think this is a little bit of a pivotal game, in my opinion, for the Rams, so to speak, because I think that they're, again, like I said last week, loaded with talent. They're very well coached. But a lot sometimes is hard to overcome with chatter, okay? Now, if the Rams lose this game this week, they'll be 3-2 and two off two losses in a row, and you're going to start to hear people chirping a little bit, especially in the media. It's going to get to that locker room on some level. And what's going to cause is a little bit of stress and kind of urgency there. Then they also have the Niners coming in the very next week. So they have, they're on a little bit of a tough stretch right now. I think that when it comes down to it, you know, the Rams will still be there in the end and the playoffs. I don't know. I think it's hard to envision them being though 13 and three or 12 and four. It wouldn't exactly shock me, but you know, a game like that last week, losing at home to Tampa like that, it probably sent a little bit of a ripple into their locker room. Like, man, fellas, we got to get it together. Well, it doesn't get any easier. You turn around this week and you're going up to Seattle. It's Everyone knows how hard it is to play in Seattle. The Seahawks are just scrappy. I mean, they're, they were, they're kind of like the Ravens to me where you win or lose, you're going to walk out of that building needing ice. You know what I mean? It, it, you're going to be banged up. We got a couple other matchups. Um, this one, this is where you go to the store and get groceries while this crapper's on and wait for the afternoon game. Cardinals at Bengals. Man, that's, you know what I mean? I'd rather watch reruns of Benson that morning than that. Bills at Titans, another kind of a snoozer. It'll be a good game, but man, uh, I can't get with, with uh, sometimes watching the Titans and, and the whole Mariota show. The Bills are kind of a boring team to watch too, but that that still would be a kind of nice physical game. I don't know who's going to come out on that one, but if the Bills win that game in Tennessee and go four and one, 
they're going to have a real chokehold on that wild card spot. One of them, at least the great, they'll be off to a great start. They lose that game. They're three and two Titans would be three and two. So that's kind of a pivotal game. I'd say really important for Buffalo and Tennessee, not as much. They'll be two and three if they lose, but Buffalo would be four and one if they won again. So that that's a, that's a big, big game for the bills bears and Raiders. Now this game's in London. And let me tell you something. Khalil Mack has had this bad boy circled on his calendar be the minute that they announced the league schedule this year, because when he got traded last year to the bears after his holdout and they knew that they would play in the NFC West this year, I can promise you he's been waiting on this, this game ever since he looked and saw when they would be playing the Raiders at some point, then probably was counting down the days when the schedule came out this time in May. So that I can tell you right now is, is I think the bears defense is going to be really fired up for this game. Now, if Oakland goes in there and beats the Bears, okay, on Sunday, I'll be, like, vastly impressed with that because I know for a fact they're going to get Chicago's best shot. Another solace, though, that Oakland can take is that not that Mitchell Trubisky is some, you know, stellar quarterback, but at least they got their backup, Chase Daniel, playing. So Raiders still have a shot in that game to me. They're only down getting, I think, five or six points on the on the money, on the betting line. So... It's they're less than a touchdown dog. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I just, I still think the bears are going to be really fired up. I think for Mac and I'm kind of interested to see this, how the dynamic of that all works in that game. Bucks play the saints is another huge game. Bucks two and two saints, three and one Bridgewater showing he's capable of running that offense. They beat Dallas last week. That was a huge win. I think after the Bucks beat the Rams, the Saints are going to be prepped for them, though. And I think they're going to be um, ready to go in there into the Superdome in New Orleans and take the the Bucks' best shot. But and I don't know, man. I I, I kind of feel like this game's a toss-up with the way the Bucks have been playing the last couple of weeks. And I think that I won't shock me if either one of these teams win. Saints get this win though. They'll be four and one and they're just another week gone by without breeze that he, that waiting on him to come back. So I think the saints, you know, they got a really, really good team. So they need to weather the storm here without breeze. Like I said, Bridgewater's capable, but we'll have to see how they handle the adversity of some of these weeks coming up and, and these games. And they got a hot Tampa Bay team who just put up 55 points on the Rams coming in. Then we got Vikings at giants. That's a that's another snoozer kind of. Vikings need to be careful here. Giants got this whole Danny Dimes thing going on. They got a little bit of swagger right now. They've whooped the Redskins last week. They kind of needed that win. You know, Danny Dimes is getting a little confidence. They beat the Bucks the week before in Tampa. So Giants win this game at home. They're three and two, and the Vikings would be two and three. That's a scary spot kind of for Minnesota. Then you'll start to hear that Cousins smack even a little bit more. Uh, so that, I think that's a huge, huge game for Minnesota. At the end of the day, I still expect the Giants to be 500 or under. I don't. I just don't think they're that good of a team, whether Danny Dimes' whole phenomenon thing keeps up or not. Minnesota you know, looked like a playoff team going into the year. And they lose this game and they're 2-3. and three. I'm, I'm just not so sure. I think you're going to start seeing the Cousins stuff again take off more and more. Jets coming off their bye week, 0-3 at the Eagles. I mean, if the Eagles don't win this game, I mean, are you kidding me? You're, they're like two touchdown favorites. That's that's like 
that's a gimme game for Philadelphia, even with the Jets coming off the bye. Jets are a mess. Ravens at Steelers. This game's huge, too. You know, Pittsburgh's down in the dumps right now, but they're still decently stout on the defensive line, as they showed against the Bengals. And they can still run the ball. And they still have this little short screen thing. So Pittsburgh's just basically trying to, to, to beat you with tough play. And that's kind of something to me that the Ravens do well anyway. So I think this game's bigger probably for the Ravens because I think you kind of have to, if the Ravens win this game, that puts Pittsburgh at one and four and it kind of breaks their back a little bit. And it also gets the Ravens in the win column again after, after blowing that game against Cleveland last week. I don't know if I should say blowing, they kind of got their ass handed to them, but it was a game they probably should have had in their own mind at home. So I don't know that I, I look for that game to be an all out war and the Ravens are favorites on the road, but they need to get that game done, in my opinion, to break Pittsburgh's back and kind of reestablish themselves in that division and hope that Cleveland loses to the Niners on Monday night. Patriots 4-0 at 0-4 Redskins. Do I even need to comment on that? Okay, Jaguars and Panthers. That's another snoozer. 2-2 two and two versus 2-2. Two and two. It's kind of amazing the Panthers and Jaguars are both even 500, to be honest with you. <laughs> But still, that's a game that I think will be forgotten about because I think when the season ends, both those teams will have shaken themselves out of the mix. Falcons and Texans. Get ready for that Dan Quinn stuff to get even louder because Texans are probably going to win that game and then the Falcons are going to be 1-4. and four. So that's not a, that's not pretty. Broncos 0-4 at the Chargers. Broncos are another team that I even forgot about earlier. You have the Skins. You have the Jets. You have the Dolphins. You have the Bengals, all winless. Then you have the Broncos, a fifth team that's winless, and they look bad too. They play at the Chargers. So it's not like Chargers have a home field advantage, right? But Denver just sucks. I mean, it's crazy how many bad teams there are right now. Packers and Cowboys, that's an awesome game, man. I don't know who's going to win that game. I just think it'll just be an awesome game. I, I like when those two teams actually match up. I think they're fun, fun matchups. Colts play the Chiefs at night. If they don't have Hilton back, they don't have, stand a chance in hell in Arrowhead at nighttime. I don't think they really do anyway to begin with. And then Niners and Browns. I'll be at that game, baby, live with the wifey, actually. So I'm looking forward to that tilt. I'm looking forward to a lot of these matchups. Definitely that Sunday night football game. The Chiefs, hopefully that's not a snoozer after a quarter or two against the Colts. But like I said, I like that Dallas Packers game a lot in the afternoon. And I like some of those other matchups during the day. So we got a good slate of football on and. After five weeks is over, when you have some teams staring down one and four, they're at two and three, it's going to be start to make or break time for them heading into week six, seven, and eight. You got to be, after the first half of the season, I think at least four and four to have a shot at it, right? You don't want to go into the second half of the season with eight games to play at three and five. You're really staring down the barrel there. So, all right, guys, Uh, I'm glad we got the – Slam this one out real quick. I'm excited for this weekend's games. I'm excited for the rest of the baseball playoffs too. And enjoy. Matchup tomorrow night, Seattle and Rams. Tune in and watch that one. That should be a good game too. So some really um, kind of intriguing, important games this weekend and some other crappers. So try to avoid the bad ones and, and keep your eyes peeled on the good ones. And we'll link back up hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday next week and do a reef, you know, recap of week five preview of week six. And then we'll, we'll see what's going on in the playoffs and baseball too. 
All right, everyone take it easy. Enjoy your rest of your weeks and weekend. Stay safe. Take care.